that was quite a heavy intro song, but hello and welcome to episode 22 of Dissecting Lyrics with Swell Jams. We are just going to keep on steaming through till this ship sinks. Uh, it's great to be back once again. I feel like I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things. I'm acclimatizing. It's a little less hot now. Uh, a better way of putting that is would be it's cooler now. And uh, it feels good to be back. I'm in the comfort of my screechy leather chair. So if you do hear a screech, that is not someone leaving my house. That is just my chair. There's a lot to get through today. So I'm going to go straight into hip-hop news. Number one. Post Malone's debut album Stoney surpassed Michael Jackson's Thriller with the most weeks in the top ten of R&B hip-hop album charts with a total of 77 weeks. That was my Sophie Rayworth BBC News presenter style. I don't think I, I, I kind of let it slip towards the end, but uh, so that's a pretty impressive feat. I don't have a particularly strong opinion on Post. Uh, I haven't really got into him. I think uh, personally, I find his uh, song topics a little unimaginative, likewise for his production. But I can certainly see their appeal, especially given how much uh, drug use is on the rise in America and much of the Western world. I think it's very much catered to that market. But again, not for me, but congratulations to him. That is a huge milestone. Uh, Michael Jackson of all people. Wow. The next piece of news is big news. The queen of hip-hop, as she calls herself, and frankly, I call her that too, uh, Nicki Minaj dropped this week, and it's been met with positive response, uh, and not just by me, by by the critics too, and I think largely most of her most of her fans. I really liked it, mainly because it was just refreshing to hear a strong vo- female voice in hip hop come out and just take on all the men. Um, I think that that is at its most salient in the episode. Barb, uh, not the episode, the, the song Barbie Dreams, which is the, the third track of the album, which is my favourite. Um, and Nicky's just going for it. It's a rip off, a riff, not rip. Uh, it's a riff off Biggie's Just Playing. And she's, she honestly, she just takes names throughout the whole song. But it's a great flow and it's just incisive in the way she just cuts into the rhythm and the beat. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'd recommend it as well. Uh, it's a very striking album cover. The colour scheme in the background's a bit weird. It's you know when you go when in an old Microsoft Word and you're deciding what colour you wanted to make your subtitle. Um, is you get that you open up this whole beehive of, of colours and it's kind of like she's chosen somewhere along that spectrum of red and orange. Um, alternatively, it's when you're on PowerPoint or on or Word up and you just can't quite decide between the red and orange and you go for somewhere in between. It's like a fade out, but it's a very striking colour. Um, Features in it, I think a notable one is Eminem, who who certainly hijacks the song and actually, dare I say, not in a good way. It's his it's his cranky beat. Um, uh, Eminem's in a sort of playful, ludic tone. Um, uh, has this rapid spitfire that we've become accustomed to in his later years. Well, we've always been accustomed to that. Who am I kidding? But it was very reminiscent of Rap God, which came out I don't know six or seven years ago. Uh, but I think he goes on. Mm, too long and he disrupts the momentum of the song and I think a lot of the tendency I think a major tendency when when hip-hop stars or any star lets Eminem hop on their track he he kind of takes it over uh, for better or for worse and I think it, 
his verse is perhaps too long in this uh, in this instance. Um, so I always thought it was quite bizarre in the first place because Eminem in that Royce to Five Nine song, uh, Life in the Fast Lane, he's talking about how he wants to stick his penis in Nicki Minaj's anus, but I guess they have reconciled since. Or maybe she was proud of that fact, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. Uh, the third piece of news. Uh, Method Man has announced a new album. Method Man of Wu-Tang Clan, for the... Wu-Tang Clan, what am I on about? Wu-Tang Clan, uh, for those who weren't aware. And he's dropped a new song called Grand Prix, which is pretty good. Uh, I like it. Uh, I'll play you a little clip now. I'm a smoker, weed toker, the cola in your coca, losing change up in your sofa, I brought change into the culture. Funny how these pigeons try and change into a vulture, use a poser, with pork on your pork and that ain't kosher. No sir, I never put a penny in the loafer, fucking time's up in the game. Yeah, and that song is going to be featuring on his album that'll be coming out later in the year, The Meth Lab 2, The Lithium. Uh, slated for release, I don't know, sometime in winter, perhaps. I mean, with these, with these big hip-hop names, you can never really know. I mean, it's... I may as well have not mentioned it, and it'll come out when it comes out, is the best way of putting it, of summarising. Uh, number four, Kanye West gave an interview. Okay, that's the end of hip-hop news. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Kanye West gave an interview with Jimmy Kimmel, and there was a big brouhaha about uh, his silence when uh, Jimmy supposedly stumped him with a, his support for Trump, and... The, the the double standards he seemed to show with that and previous presidents. I don't want to get into it. You can watch it yourself. I'm sure you have already seen it, so it's not really news. Uh, but I felt it needed addressing nonetheless. Now that's the end of news, and I want to move on to uh, a slightly more sobering topic, if I may. Um, look, I'm a peaceful guy. Like Teddy, I I like to speak softly and carry a big stick. I don't have nuclear capabilities. I'm just a guy that gets on with his business and lets others get on with theirs. You know, mi casa, su casa, quid pro quo, quid pro quo. None of that makes sense. But it seems as though there are others that live in this world who don't live by that mantra, who don't adopt and abide by the same values that many of us live by. Uh, and as a result, I, I've been slowly but surely sucked into what I can only describe and what is the belligerents in question can only describe as a pan-European beef uh, that is stretching from the white shores of Dorset to the, the grotty enclaves of Berlin. It is not something that I wish to be a part of, but since my name has been dragged into this barb exchange, I feel that I can do no other but address it. So what began as an innocent, jovial, above-the-belt series of exchanges between uh, one crew harking from Dorset, London and, and, and Leicester, uh, and another crew harking from Berlin, although not there originally, but that's where they're currently based, there's been uh, a series of exchanges that have been, you know, your eights and your sixteens, very, very innocent. I'll give you a couple of examples. To which the response to that was Stop moving like a London boy Because everyone knows that you're from Dorset You've got such little money in the bank You can't even turn on the tap Or should I say force it 
flows so unnatural, it sounds bad. You gotta force it. Uh, and if you step to the Berlin lads, then you better watch out. Force it. I thought I was gonna say that part. Uh. So as you can see, they kind of fell apart, and uh, I, I, I also like to apologise for the, that truly awful sound quality. But I had to take pretty feudal measures to ensure that managed to get on the airwaves. So that's the kind of thing. It's been it's been enjoyable to watch, enjoyable to be a part of. I'll admit I was a part of it. But then I heard something else. Um, a clip was leaked to me, and this is what I heard. Fuck Willow. Fuck <laughs> Swell Jams. Fuck Willow. Fuck Swell Jams. <laughs> I don't think I need to repeat what was said in that short clip uh, to know that I was the target of pretty vile abuse. I don't think I deserved it. I felt it was unnecessary. And quite frankly, as things stand, I feel that my honour has been besmirched somewhat. I uh, gave not only my pen name, but my personal name. This was not rap. This was laziness. There was nothing above the belt about this. And so I've decided to respond in kind. Not with a rap, but with a song I know that the belligerent in question dislikes more than anything else in hip hop. Okay, get up, get up. Dipset. Uh oh. Joel Santana. Heatmakers. I think this is the one right here. Everybody, come on, get up. He's moving again. I'm like, I'm nice. Still pitching. Still flipping. Yeah. So come fuck with the boy, I'm still pumping the boy, I'll still dump on the boy, blue still pump to the boy, I'm Mr. Postman, also Mr. Toastman. Now I'm sorry for the innocent bystanders that had to listen to that song and didn't like it, but uh, I, I personally chose this song because I knew it would really grind the girdle of the person who laid down those words on my tomb, and I had to respond. So hopefully that's the end of that. I think all is fair in love and war, but limits are limits, and I think we... It's important to demarcate and define the boundaries of what's acceptable and what's not, and what's good hip-hop, and that wasn't good hip-hop. So I'm sorry I had to get ugly there, folks, but without further ado, let's move on to the general topic. So I'm still working on a, a better name for the general topic, because that is, I mean, like it sounds, it's just generic, it's general, it's, it doesn't sound very good. If anyone's got any suggestions, please write in. Uh, I'd love to hear it. But, you know, it actually ties in somewhat to to that previous segment. Um, again, I, I'm sorry that I had to drag you all through that. I just felt I needed a public arena to address the situation. I had to put this thing to bed. You know, strangle it at birth. So my general topic this week is actually kind of a two-parter, uh, but I'll address that in a bit. I've been messaging a few of my listeners about what they dislike most about hip-hop, because obviously this genre is a very broad church, and there are a lot of different areas that people like, and there are a lot of different areas that people don't like. So I was curious to see if there were going to be any overarching themes um, or any any particular areas that people really clustered around. And actually, the answers vary from person to person. Um, I guess that's you know symptomatic of the industry. It's 
it's such a broad and diverse place, you're, you're probably rarely going to get one and one making two. Um, but these are the kind of things that I got. I got misogyny, excessive sampling, fillers, mumble rap, auto-tune, artists that only feature but don't have their own bodies of work, their own albums, uh, grills, white men wearing do-rags, uh, and then, you know, on a bit more of a serious level, uh, gang culture and the effect of uh, violent lyrics that uh, on children and, and on poorer segments of society. So I thought these were all very interesting and I, I, I looked at them individually and I think the best, and I, I, I've tried to look at them collectively as well, and I think the best way to, to disentangle them from one another is to divide them into two broad groups, which I think is the musical and the cultural. And I think that's the best way we can, we can separate it a bit further, but let's talk about group number one first, which is the musical. So it seems as though people have not really taken to the new wave hip-hop. Um, I'm acutely aware that there are exceptions to this rule, so don't at me, because you know who you are. Uh, but there has been this bubbling displeasure at mumble rap and autitude and the fillers like that Rick Ross one I always play. And these are always touchstone issues when when one generation is parting the, passing the torch to the to the new era of rap. Now, personally, I think this does uh, fall down generational lines, and I think we have to be aware of the fact that, well, at least I have to be aware of the fact that, you know, I don't have the most diverse group of listeners. Most of you are white. Um, most of you have had the fortune to have had a, a pretty stable and pleasant upbringing. And I think that reflects itself in, in your musical taste to some extent. Uh, and I also think age makes a difference. Most of you are at least 23. Maybe I've got a couple of 22-year-olds. But as I was saying in earlier episodes, hip-hop years are like dog years. They're not human years. And the generations are magnified as such. So a lot of the people that are listening to this new wave of hip-hop, they're barely at a drinking age in America and, you know, the listenership's even younger. Uh, you know, it's an unfounded claim by me, but it's my gut instinct. I think there are very few 17 and 18-year-olds that have that much Kendrick on their iPod. Whereas I think for 23-year-olds and 22-year-olds and above, I think Kendrick is very much the lodestar for our generation. He, he is the, well, the son of God. Um, the God perhaps being Tupac um, in this case. Um, if any of my listeners have any younger siblings that are into hip-hop and either do or don't listen to Kendrick or, or the New Wave, please put me in touch because I would love to talk to them and pick their brains. For it doesn't even have to be on air, just um, out of pure curiosity, I'd love to know more about what they see as their own interests and what they make of the trends in hip-hop and if they're even aware of it because you know when you've grown up with something, that could be quite hard to decipher. Um, so yeah, I think it's also bearing in mind that, you know, we're not that old either, and there have been generations above us, um, and the older generations were very much like that with, with the, the Kanye and graduation uh, trend pushing its way through past, you know, the, the gangster rap, and there was that episode, sorry, the, Demis, the Damascene moment uh, where uh, Kanye defeated 50 in the, in the great hip-hop saga of battle even of of 2006 
think it was 2006, it could have been 2007, but not important. Um, and they felt Kanye was, you know, tarnishing the, the, the institution of lyricism, his beats were too poppy and too kooky, so to speak. And uh, I think that's, you know, we've almost said, said the same things about New Wave, even though it is pretty conclusive that a lot of what is being said is not even in, intelligible. But it's important to remember that not everyone wants to listen to a wordsmith, and if they did, then we'd all be listening to Aesop Rock every day. Um, and there's a reason why probably 80% of you don't even know who Aesop Rock is, not to be confused with ASAP Rocky. And I think in summer, in summary, in sum, ultimately, to conclude, yes, we've all been to... Uh, Ray Shrimmer said it best themselves. They, they just wanted to make party people... They just wanted to make music that would make people jump up and down and have signed a party to, so I'm afraid... We've got to let this ship sail its own course. So we'll see how this all pans out. Now, the second group, the cultural. Uh, Hip-hop culture has obviously come under intense criticism over the years, and you know the violence attributed to it, and the gang culture as well. Uh, I think its latest offshoot drill music has been its most blatant yet, particularly in the boasting about guns. And actually, when I've done my interviews and features with the police, they've raised this concern as well. But actually, I'm going to step away from this group and this issue because I think as as a sheltered white boy living in Chelsea, there's only so much I can comment on without it getting uh, unseemly. Because I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that um, it's not something I've grown up with, and more importantly, it's not something I've grown up in. So while I can appreciate the music, I think the cultural aspect is better left to people who have actually lived it, as it were. I think as a future topic, what I will do, though, is to try and define what hip-hop is and what the culture is. Um, I think that could be an, an interesting course of action. So, I'm sorry, but that's uh, as far as I'm willing to go on that subject. So keep your ears peeled for that one. Um, I do have a few general topics lined up for the future, and they are mostly hip-hop based, but again, I want to stress that guests, you feel free to bring in any musical topic of your own, um, that is entirely at your discretion. But for now, it's build-up time. Ho, ho, ho! Is that Santa falling down the chimney? No, 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 it's just a devilishly talented lyricist from the Bronx. Why did I say it was that Santa? Well, because he has quite a rotund physique, much like this rapper. Unlike Santa, or Father Christmas as we call him in the UK, he is of Puerto Rican descent. Although, I do not know the nationality of Father Christmas. Is he... Is he Icelandic? Where's Lapland? He's got sovereignty there. Anyway, I mean, maybe he's just naturalised. I don't even know if he's from there. Anywho, uh, this guy, this rapper, he is of Puerto Rican descent. Uh, both his parents are from there, although he did not have a good relationship with them. He actually moved out of his mother's home at 15 years old at a very young age. Uh, he was then involved in a, in a serious incident, an accident in a public park that resulted in a broken leg. And he won a settlement from the city for damages which allowed him to, to marry his childhood sweetheart, which is always a very sweet sentiment. Unfortunately, he died at just 28 years old, largely as a result of, of weight problems. But, importantly, he was still able to cement his status as a rap 
Phenon in that period with a rip snorter of a debut album in Capital Punishment. Um, and actually one of the songs that he later remixed with featuring Fat Joe of all people, called Still Not a Player, was Pun's first mainstream hit. Uh, Capital Punishment was also nommed for a granny. A granny? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not grandma. Grammy. Double M. Uh, after his death, there was also a posthumous release of an album called Yeah Baby. Um, I didn't do that. I didn't take poetic license in my expression of Yeah Baby. It's, there are multiple E's and A's in it. Uh, and that peaked at number three in the Billboard charts and uh, gold record status. So, ladies and gentlemen, his body rests but his spirit lives on. It's Christopher Lee Rios, better known as Big Pun. Yes, yes, yes. It is Big Pun, an overlooked icon of the golden era, I must say. Uh, he truly did possess a, a remarkable rapping talent with this, where he had this punchy, chattered flow, and that could easily transition to this smoother, more rhythmical tone. And I think this his Puerto Rican accent really comes through, and it really assuages uh, this transition and his ability to, to jump between style to style. Um, he really was one of the greatest, and I truly believe he was underrated and underappreciated at the time. To give you an example, I, I, I care that vehemently about it. Uh, I'm going to take the unprecedented step to play a, a short clip of one of the finest pieces of rapping I've ever heard. The reason I'm going to play a short clip is because I've actually decided that I will not be dissecting this because I think the, sun, the song somewhat falters after such a thunderous beginning. I don't, it just couldn't maintain the momentum after this truly incredible start. So I'm going to play you this little clip from his first verse of uh, Twins. Shucks. I mean, did you keep up there? He unlocks a level that few of us have, will ever be able to unlock, at least in the, the hip-hop game. But anyway, on to the song. Again, I'm going to take another unprecedented step here because I think the opening to the song is so rousing that uh, I think it deserves a little play. Yeah, though, I mean, those horns in itself it just gets you... It's such a good build-up and an entry to the song. Um, the part I'm actually going to play you is uh, it's, mid, it's midway through the, the second verse. And here the, the horns and the music as, an, as a collective... And here the horns, are, they dial back, so it's just pun in the mic under this solitary spotlight. Um, and this minimalist feel really, uh, really allows you to, to tune into the intricacies of the layers of his bars and his rhymes and... I will warn you, if anyone's in the presence of any youngsters, uh, this is an expletive-laden verse. Uh, so if you are feeling a little sensitive or are in the presence of uh, some rugrats, uh, I advise you to slip your earphones in for this one, which you probably should be doing anything. I don't anywhere because I don't think I don't think podcasts sound. Well, I don't think anything sounds very good coming out the, the microphone of a phone unless you're plugging in your earphones. Um, alternatively, you can you can turn it on loud and. Let those rugrats hear what real hip hop is. Um, 
Listener discretion is advised. The way I kept it real is more important than any record deal. I used to chill on the block with Cuban the Saints. I still do, but now it's in the blue convertible eight fifty. My true niggas will always be with me. The shifty kiss me, tell me they miss me, then try to diss me. Cause I'm a risky crispy for life. Sixty's the price. Another fifty for the Cuban twisted and nice niggas are shice. But I psych them out, though they like to doubt. I make them more believers once I let the Tyson out. So this was the the third song off his debut album, Capital Punishment. Uh, and it's big chun chart. It's big pun charting his 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 own inexorable rise from uh, the status of a street corner rapper to, and I quote, possibly going platinum. Uh, that's what he says in, in the first verse. Um, and in that first verse, he, he's warning about how he could have gone to jail or gone the wrong way, as is so often the case with with rappers from difficult backgrounds. But in this verse. He's reiterating that he's always been an authentic guy, and it was this authenticity that propelled him to the top of the game. Uh, he's still the same guy doing the same stuff. He he wants him to be very he wants to be very clear on that. But now he's just kind of got the toys to match, like the the blue convertible eight fifty, which is a, a very beautiful car. Uh, Worth a Google. In the previous line, he he refers to Cuban and Sice, which uh, along with Big Pun, they formed a trio known as the Caribbean Connection because they're all from that. Puerto Rico, I think maybe one was from the Dominican Republic, that kind of area uh, in the Caribbean Sea. And, uh, they also formed a, a terror squad, which earned some name recognition in, in New York, which obviously at the time, in the 90s, it was a total tastemaker, uh, the place to be if you're into hip-hop. And obviously the West Coast were doing that thing as well. But he refers to those two because he's, he's been with them since the start and they've, they've always been... You know, standing by his side, and they've been rewarded for it. I think what's so impressive about this is the 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 way he shifts from rhyming couplets to triplets to new schemes, all within the space of half a verse. I think it is it's remarkable. I think the shifty kiss me, tell me they miss me, then try to diss me, cause I'm crispy, crispy for life. Sixties the price. He goes from a triplet in the first line. And then two sets of rhyming couplets in the succeeding line. And, you know, I know what you're thinking. Is this some kind of Puerto Rican Shakespeare? Um, maybe, maybe. But uh, this guy's certainly much cooler. Uh, he then goes on to say how his, his wrist is crispy because it's got an icy watch. Uh, icy means it's been played with diamonds. Uh, and and that cost him in the 60s, which probably means 60,000. Uh, and then he's got another 50k reserved for his Cuban link chain with diamonds. Uh, which he calls his Cuban twisted and nice. Uh, he's flaunting it. Simply put, he's flaunting it. Um, why wouldn't you if you've come from that little to so much? Uh, now the next line, I had to look up what shyst was, but either way I liked it sonically. Uh, according to Urban Dictionary, it's a, a person who will take advantage or cheat someone in certain situations. And I mean, I... I, I Guess some reflection that sounds quite similar to shyster, uh, which is a similar sort of thing, isn't it? And then he ends by by saying that these people, they may not believe in him, and these people, uh, you know, those elusive characters, the dodgy dealings and the, the smoky backrooms, uh, they may not believe in him. But once he lets his ferocious Tyson out, there's very little stopping him. Mike Tyson, obviously... To this day, the most aggressive boxer known to the sport. Um, and 
wow, when he was punching, he was punching. <laughs> you would not want to be in the way of that steam train. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's her conclusion. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a real pity that the pun died when he did, because the, he was, he was. I mean, he'd only released one album, and he, he was capable of so much more. He was, he was twenty eight when he died. Uh, he was very troubled by weight problems, and apparently, it was triggered by his traumatic childhood, um, which he could never really recover from. At the age of twenty, at the age of eighteen, he was, he was, you know, eighty two kilos, hundred eighty pounds. And then in the space of three years, he ballooned to 300 pounds. But by the time of his death in 28, he weighed over 300 kilos and, and was nearly 700 pounds. Uh, he couldn't tie his own shoelaces and he could barely get out of bed in the morning. Um, a really sad end to what was a, a very illuminating life. But as I said, his his music lives on, and as do his fans. And I think it's my responsibility as a podcaster and our responsibility as fans to continue waving that banner with pride. And I think it's a very good note to end on. Next week, we're, we've got a return. A return of the Mac. A new, well, an old guest, but a, a fan favourite, Lucas. So I look forward to welcoming back into to the cave. And after that, we've got a, a new guest. I won't reveal his identity, but unsurprisingly, it is a he. Uh, that's the really not doing very well on that gender parity issue, but hopefully we can start working some way towards rectifying that. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. An interesting guy. Uh, I was completely at the mercy of of, <laughs> of, of him, really. Um, and uh, I look forward to dropping in next week and hearing what miscellaneous activities you've all got up to. So... Bye for now.